0: We made it. Welcome to the 27th and final episode of The Tar Sands Diplomat. It's been a journey, and we hope you've enjoyed it more than one of those all-night marathon negotiating sessions at the Council of Ministers in Brussels. And now, here's the author, Keith Halliday, reading the finale of The Tar Sands Diplomat. The Tar Sands Diplomat. Chapter 34. The final hours in the bunker. Kennedy raged at me. She threatened. She pleaded. She begged. She invoked God human compassion, and Ian Culloden. She pulled on her cable until it almost cut off her air. I tried to watch her impassively as I could. Finally, she sat down in despair. I made an attempt to speak as evenly as I could. It wasn't easy. Kennedy, I said, you murdered Julian Utherwaite, a friend and colleague. You conspired to wreck Can Do Canada, harm Canadian interests, and embarrass the department, and all because of ambition and greed. You deserve to die here. Someone will find me, she said. I'll scream. Then you'll be the one in jail. I doubt it, I replied. We're two stories underground. Judging by the graffiti, the last people in here visited in 1992. And if that Moscow story is true, there won't be much of you to find after the rats finish. She flinched. I know I shouldn't have done it, she sobbed. It looked sincere, but how could I know for sure? Take me to the police, she said. I'll confess everything and face the consequences. Just don't leave me down here in the dark. I thought about it for a minute. Either you'd weasel out of it somehow, I said, or we'd end up publicizing the whole dirty episode. It would gut the department. I'll sign a confession, she pleaded. Down here. Record me on your phone. Anything. I mean anything. I stood up and grabbed the flashlight. Goodbye, Kennedy. Her screams got softer as I walked up the stairs. Standing at the entrance to the bunker, I could hear them only faintly, and that was when the wind died down. The chances of anyone hearing her were very low. I wondered how long she would keep it up, before thirst or the rats got her. I sat on the dunes, in the dark, looking out over the sea. This was the scene of one of Canada's biggest battles, even if no one in Canada remembered it. The Second World War's moral lines were clear. I knew there had been atrocities on both sides, probably committed by people like Sleeth and covered up by people like Kennedy. But liberating Europe from tyranny was a grand ambition, and it made making Europe safe for Canadian oil exports seem embarrassingly meaningless. Belonging to the Department had been a central part of my life. Like any institution, it had its challenges and absurdities, but now Kennedy had tainted it forever. How would the people from the heroic age of the Department have handled this? I knew how the Soviet Foreign Service would have done it. Kennedy would already be dead, with nine grams of lead in the back of her neck. Then I realized that I was the one who would already be dead. She would have purged me first, right after the disaster at the press briefing, possibly before. I shuddered, and here I was borrowing tricks from the Russian mafia that would have made Edgar Allan Poe blanche. I stood up and walked back to the car. Kennedy was probably panicking back in her underground tomb. I walked slowly. Some more time in the dark would be good for her. Back at the car, I grabbed some paper, a pen, and the owner's manual to write on. I opened the trunk and put my phone and battery in my pocket. I opened Kennedy's suitcase and rummaged for a scarf. The bunker was silent. I entered carefully. If she'd got loose somehow, I was really in trouble. I clicked on the flashlight. My foot knocked a rock down the stairs. Help, she cried. Down here. It's me, I said. She was silent. I stepped into the ammunition room. The cable was still around her neck. She sat huddled against the wall with her arms wrapped around her knees. She looked small and childlike. The skin on her neck was red. She had got her hands free of the tape, and I could see footprints in the mud, where she'd been yanking uselessly at the rebar. Kennedy, I said, if you do exactly what I tell you, I might reconsider. She watched me, a flash of hope and then animal cunning flashing across her face. I put the book, paper, and pen down on the floor within her reach and stepped back. Dictation, I said, write exactly what I say. Statement by Kennedy Percival, Mission of Canada to the European Union, date it. Remember your passport and employee numbers? Of course you do. Put them down too. To whom it may concern, I confessed to murdering Julian Utherwaite in cold blood in his flat. I struck him with an Inuit statue. Ian Culloden and I then made it look like a prostitute killed him. I killed him because I wanted to steal the duty officer's briefcase and blame him for a leak, both embarrassing him and Can Do Canada. To cover up my crime, I leaked secret documents to the press, informed the Green Alliance about our press conference and dinner, bamboozled, Yes, yes, write that, I said. Intelligence Division into issuing a warning and lied to Security Division Investigator Sherlock, no, strike that, Jim Holmes. As proof of this, you'll find that the leak came from the embassy fax machine downstairs at 7 in the morning. You will find the duty officer's briefcase at the bottom of the XL pond full of canned beans. Okay, did I get anything wrong, I asked? No, it's a good summary, she admitted. Summarizing is something we at the department are still good at, I said, sign it she scribbled her name. She looked at me. But don't you want me to also confess to taking money from Mashinsky? No, I replied. I want you to write down on the next piece of paper what I have to do to get the money in your account. McGregor, she said. Already, the prospect of survival was making her bold. She wanted that money. Take it or leave it, I said. I think my bargaining position is robust. I picked up the flashlight and made to leave. All right, she said. Mashinsky'd already paid half up front. It's all still in my Bitcoin wallet. I haven't transferred it to my bank account yet. She scribbled the details onto the paper. I checked that it was the same Lazy Dog 901 Gmail account I'd seen on the paper in her flat. And where are the private keys for your Bitcoin wallets, I asked. She looked surprised and lifted her necklace. She slid the memory stick out of it. She handed it over. I told her to write down her Bitcoin wallet passwords, pretty good privacy codes, plus all her other Gmail account names and passwords, I took the paper and necklace and folded them into my pocket. If these don't work, or the money isn't there, you're going to a Belgian women's jail for life. She nodded. Third, your solemn promise that nothing will happen to Violet, Lafranc, or me. If it does, my lawyer will send all of this to the press, and you'll go to a Belgian women's jail for life. She promised. Finally, I said, take dictation again. Letter format. Date it today. To head of personnel. Personnel division. Department of Foreign Affairs, and whatever else we're calling it these days, 125 Sussex Drive, Ottawa, Ontario, K1A, OG2. Do you remember what acronym he's using these days? Put it in. Okay. Dear Sir, Re, Resignation from Foreign Service. Put in your employee number. I resign my position from the department effective immediately. The Can Do Canada trade mission was the final straw. We achieved nothing except the embarrassment of our country due to the erratic and demoralizing leadership of Ambassador Glostrom the inattentive and self-serving antics of the minister, and the laughably unconvincing negotiating position headquarters forced us to adopt on asbestos, like old traps, Frankenstein canola, and clear-cut lumber exports. New paragraph. It was even worse than the time that the current deputy minister forced me to miss my grandmother's 90th birthday party to stay up all night to write a speech for the UN General Assembly, which he missed because he was in the handicapped bathroom having sex with the new head of Asia branch. Did I tell you that, she said? I nodded that was terrible. No time to get sentimental, I said. The flashlight battery is running out. New paragraph. Please deposit my outstanding pay and expenses as soon as possible so I can move on and do something useful with my life. Sincerely yours, Kennedy Percival. She handed me the letter and I read it. I've dreamed for years about writing a letter like that, I said. I made a mental note to make sure a copy got to the deputy minister and everybody in Europe branch. I tossed her the scarf. Wipe your eyes and put this scarf around your neck to hide the cables video time. I found my phone and jammed the battery into the back. I gave her the two letters and shone the flashlight in her face. I clicked record and she read them into the camera. I checked that the recording worked and pocketed the letters in the phone. Next I said you're banished from the Foreign Service. I will submit this letter on Monday. You will never ever set foot in the mission again. I don't care about your cat photos and favorite shoes under your desk. If I hear you darken the doorway of any embassy, mission, residence, or consular shack, now or at any time in the future, all this goes public, and you go to prison. She nodded. Finally, I said, you'll spend the next three years in Krasnoyarsk, Siberia, working for the United Nations Nuclear Weapons Decommissioning Verification Team. I'm sure you saw the job opening. I know the head of the Krasnoyarsk office. I'll provide a reference. If I find out you've left Krasnoyarsk in the next three years, you go to jail. "'You're exiling me to Siberia?' she asked, incredulous. "'Yes, exactly. "'I hadn't thought of it in that way, but it had a nice ring to it. "'She opened her mouth to quibble. "'Stop it,' I said. "'It's a take-it-or-leave-it package deal. "'Do you accept?' she nodded again. "'I pulled out my phone one more time. "'Say it into the camera. "'Make sure you say, for at least three years. "'I, Kennedy Percival, promise to go to Krasnoyarsk "'and stay there for the next three years.' I found the stickers with the combinations in the corner of the bunker. I needed a head start to get away. I wrote the six numbers in random order on the last piece of paper and gave it to her with the pen. Be methodical. You've only got until the flashlight batteries die. Your car keys will be in the ignition. Then I left her. I wiped my fingerprints off the steering wheel and car surfaces and walked south along the beach towards the Belgian frontier. I don't know how long I walked, but when the sun came up, I saw a woman putting out chairs at a small Dutch cafe. I walked in and ordered in English. Is that a Canadian accent, she asked. I nodded. She smiled and pointed to a poster with a maple leaf on it, advertising the annual Dutch liberation celebrations. Well, she said, let me get you a nice coffee to start the day. I've got cousins in Ottawa, you know. My aunt was a war bride, and they always used to send us pictures of the tulips. The Tar Diplomat, epilogue. I walked along Sussex Drive towards the department. The jet lag had worn off, and there was a bounce in my step, although I could feel the sunburn from Gibraltar or my favourite blazer rubbed on my neck. My shoes were freshly polished, and a fountain pen full of my favourite blue hairband ink was in my briefcase. I'd bought a copy of *Commerçant* from Moscow at Ottawa's last foreign newspaper shop and carried it folded under my left arm. A hundred yards ahead, Dunscap Kenty was boring some new recruit to death. Just behind me, a gaggle of executive assistants gossiped about the foibles of senior mandarins as they walked to work. The new assistant deputy minister of Asia branch power walked past me in a skirt and athletic shoes. As soon as she was out of earshot, the executive assistants burst out giggling. Sex with the DM? In a handicapped bathroom? Ooh! laughed one of them. The department looked the same as the flow carried me into the lobby. I joined the throng at the elevator in my section's tower and rode up to my floor. I rounded the corner to my office. There was a young woman leaning over my desk scribbling a note. Trail of coffee stains on the carpet that went from my door to my surly underling's office now stopped abruptly at a freshly painted beige modular wall. The woman heard my footsteps and looked up. She had short hair and a sparkly stud in her nose. She smiled pleasantly and extended her hand. You must be McGregor, she said. I'm River, your new assistant. I didn't know when you were coming back. I smiled as enigmatically as I could and shook her hand. Where did my surly underling go? I asked. Oh, she got posted to Minsk. Lucky her, I said. Yes, she was very excited. How long have you been assigned to my section? I asked. Oh, she replied. Actually, you share me with Russia, Nordics, and the Balkan folks. I sit over there. She pointed into the distance, down a long corridor. That's a lot of people you're assisting, I said with another smile. Nice of you to visit. Your voicemail is full, she said. Actually, it's been full for two weeks. I have some messages. A lawyer called. He said it was important. Some anonymous donor from Gibraltar has made a huge donation to, she paused and checked the yellow slip in her hand, to the Julian Utherwaite Scholarship Fund. He said the trustees needed to know, and he doesn't know how to contact Violet Haversock or Ambassador LeFranc. I nodded and took the message slip. Also, a woman named Camille called, she went on. She said to pass on two messages. First, turn on your BlackBerry. She's called you three times this morning. Second, Call her back right away, because she's just got two tickets for the opening of Richard III at the Royal Shakespeare Company and needs to know if you'll be in London next week. I took the message slip. She smiled. The Europe branch planning meetings are next week. Perfect timing, I replied, also with a smile. And, she went on, the second secretary from the Moldovan embassy called. Something about their sugar beet concentrate being classified as jam, not beets. I'm afraid I didn't understand what he was talking about. Don't worry, I said. He probably didn't either. I took the note and sat down. Did you say second secretary? My fractional assistant nodded. She gave a friendly wave and left to begin the long walk back to her desk. I picked up the phone and dialed the embassy of Moldova. It went through to voicemail. Marius, I said. It's McGregor. I'm back. Congratulations on your promotion. It must be nice to have headquarters back in Chisinau recognize your hard work. Call me back about the sugar beet concentrate. Duncan Kenty is taking over the file, and we should set up a handover meeting. I hung up and unfolded my copy of Commerçant and leaned back in my chair to read. Before I could do so, however, a head poked into my office. It was Dunscap. McGregor, welcome back, he said with exaggerated cheerfulness. What's this about a sabbatical in London and Armenia? I thanked him for covering for me and went on at some length about needing a break and the cultural and historical highlights I'd lined up. If Duncan had made it this far in life without knowing what sovereign debt hedge funds were, I saw no need to enlighten him now. Seeing he wasn't going to get any more out of me on my travels, he pointed at my copy of Commerçant. Can you believe it? Maxim Mashinsky's been accused of bribing top European Union officials, and the head guy of the Green Alliance, and with bitcoins, whatever those are. Yes, I replied, and it looks like Mashinsky's enemies in Moscow are having a field day with it. The Greenies are so mad at Ian Culloden, he's had to go into hiding, said Dunscap. It's great news for Canada. With the Russians and Green Alliance out of the way, nothing can stop our oil now he chortled. Who do you think leaked it to the papers? I looked at the paper. The story said it was a plain brown envelope in the mail with a Gibraltar postmark. Untraceable, said Dunscap. The classic method. Indeed, I replied. That concludes The Tar Sands Diplomat. Thanks for joining us for all 27 episodes. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you liked the book, please tell a friend and leave a review on iTunes or Amazon. And if you have any ideas for McGregor's next adventure, please email me at khalliday at tar